0: You're listening to the Crowdfunding Nerds Podcast. A podcast that will help you succeed before, during, and after your crowdfunding event. And now, here is your host, Andrew Lowen.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another awesome episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. I cannot control the volume of my voice. I am Andrew Lowen, and I am joined, as always, by Rick and Sexy Irish Sean, who do a better job at controlling the volume of their voices. This episode is actually... A revisitation to the topic of landing pages, but in particular, we are going to talk about how to leverage your landing page during and after Kickstarter, because we found some really hacks or techniques that are paying dividends.
2: <laughs> yes, they are hacks. Should be illegal.
1: Yes. It, nine out of 10 doctors hate us. Really, we're I guess more specifically, we'll be talking about the functionality and the purpose of a landing page before during and after Kickstarter and strategies to leverage your landing page before during and after Kickstarter, you know, we'll probably be breaking up the after Kickstarter portion into the, you know, for board games, you know, you've got your pledge manager portion, and then you've got the the time where you actually have the product in stock in a you know, a warehouse ready to sell and deliver in in a week when somebody buys it. So those are really different phases, and I think they deserve to be broken out. So
0: I was going to say some naughty stuff about uh, China. Hopefully your game is not there or stuck in the uh, L.A. uh, waters trying to get on a boat.
1: Yeah. Did you know (laughs) that uh, right now people are paying like $30,000 for a single container? It's just – it's insane right now. Well, and then they showed –
0: I don't know how many boats i can't remember there's like all these like uh boats right outside of long beach just waiting to get in and the port is all backed up because they're just not clearing the stuff out
1: it's pretty wild just uh gotta make sure that um toilet
2: paper. i don't know
0: yes exactly costco has uh officially uh rationed toilet paper again
2: Andrew, is yeah. there any games behind you that if supplies toilet toilet paper ran though you'd have a first uh,
1: pick you know what? Marvel <laughs> Champions has a lot of cards. My Lord of the Rings LCG, I just—I mean, there's some that some quests that are just too easy.
2: could not even cost up there. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you have a lot of
1: kids, though, so they probably won't so long. So yeah, let's let's jump into landing pages and talk about the function, really, the functionality of a landing page. Sean, you want to start us off? Sure. sure. So yeah, the
2: the landing page really depends on where you are in or journey on Kickstarter, whether you're doing pre marketing or whether you have a live project or whether you're on backer kit or some type of pledge manager or whether your game's just gone to retail and you're just selling direct. What I would say is try think of landing pages that have caused you to purchase or cause you to take action and study them. I would recommend going back through your browsing history, and looking at landing pages that you took action on and why did you take action on? What, what did you like about them? And then trying to incorporate those things into your landing pages probably would be a good place to start, certainly would be a useful exercise to do just in your subconscious purchasing decisions. <laughs> you might have regretted some, but you, you probably get some good data from that, just doing that. I know one thing you, what, what we do when examining websites is that we open up Mozilla Firefox, it's a browser, and they have a function where you, if you right click on a page, you can actually save a screenshot of the entire page. So that's very useful when you are sort of dissecting landing pages is that you just load a landing page on Mozilla Firefox, right click, go save as, go take a screenshot and you can save it as a JPEG. And that's just a great way then to have the landing page all in one picture that you can then examine and then you can compare with other ones. So that's what I probably would recommend off the bat is before thinking of landing pages, think of what caused you to, to purchase and then do some investigation. Oh, hi, Russ. We'll do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Also, as a side note, you don't have to uh, use just Mozilla Firefox. Um, almost every single browser out there, Chrome, the new, uh, what do they call the new Internet Explorer these days? Uh, Microsoft Edge. Edge. They all have uh, add-ons you can get where you can garbage. see a the screen. <laughs>
1: garbage.
0: Garbage. I like that one. That's a good one. Garbage. Garbage. <laughs> anyway, there's, like, I use Chrome, and I have an add-on that does the screenshot that does the whole website. It's pretty cool. But yeah, you can do it on almost anything. If you don't if you don't like a Firefox for some reason, just look at your favorite browser's add-ons and see see where it's at.
1: One of the things that it, it's like great graphic design. It's almost invisible when you're playing a game, but the game just makes intuitive sense. The landing page should be much the same. So a great landing page, it's not just it doesn't just stand on its own. It, it really depends on how you kind of tee it up to a consumer before they visit. So number one, do they know why they're going there? That's a really important element of a landing page because when they get to the landing page and the landing page is like, hey, here's a game. It's the best thing ever. If somebody wasn't really expecting or didn't really have a clear idea of what was on that landing page, you're going to get a lot of bounces or just people not making forward progress when they actually get to your landing page. Uh, now, there are several ways that you can do this. Number one, on you know the actual ads, assuming that you're going to be using Facebook ads or, or some kind of ad to drive them to your landing page, you should definitely give some sort of consistency with the ad and the landing page. So the number one way that I like to do this is in the imagery that you use on your ad. So if you have, uh, let's say, your box cover or some other really important art piece, um, you can use that uh, in your ad And then also use that on your landing page as the kind of above the fold, what we call the hero image that will help people kind of um, uh, bridge the gap between the ad and the landing page because they'll see the same image on the ad that they see on the landing page and, or vice versa. And uh, they'll know that they made it to the right place. So it definitely helps to have some sort of consistency and, The customer is pretty smart overall. I like to treat a customer as though they are smart. But in this case, the customer is dumb. They need to make, you need to make it really, really obvious that they made it to the right location. And there's no better way than imagery. You know, imagery that they just clicked on that they can easily recollect.
2: And colors. I think, you know, color palette that matches the, like if you had like box art, if your color palette matches the box art so that. You know, when they land that's all harmonious, then that's another way of just subtly communicating that, hey, you're in the right place.
1: Definitely. And then of course the ad text as well, right? Yeah. You want to make sure that your ad text is like all about your game or uh, whatever it is. And also includes what you want them to do. You know, if if the game is available for pre-order, just, you know, you can say pre-order now or whatever it is, that's going to help them understand if they click on this ad, what is, it, what is the intent of the landing page? Is it going to ask me to pre-order? If the ad text says so, then it's not a, a shock and a surprise to me when you're trying to get me to pay money for something when I want to go to your landing page, right? Also, uh,
0: one thing that, um, that we, we sort of went over a little bit on the last episode, um, if you have multiple different types of Facebook ads, for example, we talked about the, uh, the, the, the four or five different ones of the last episode where like one might be like an unboxing one and one might be a, uh, uh, like a social uh, one where you show people having fun playing your game. You want to have, if you're running them at the same time or trying them at the same time, you also want to have separate landing pages for each one. Cause you will like, like there's like uh, Andrew and Sean was saying, you want to make sure that your landing page matches your ad. So if you decide to do like on uh, like how fun your game is and they click on it and they go to like the mechanics of a game, That's a little more, maybe a little more serious for, for people showing that it's not going to line up um, and you're going to have less of a, uh, you're gonna have lower conversions.
1: It's a good point. You know, there are, you know, we, we've talked in the past about kind of how your landing page should be structured. You know, we want to know, you know, the top of your landing page is for people that already know what it is and are ready to sign up for your email list or ready to buy right now or whatever, but below that, you need to tell them what it is and, you know, for the people that are not quite ready to buy and then below that you need to tell them kind of how it plays like what the experience is like now when it, when you're in this landing page after let's say during or after kickstarter you may need a little bit more information or you know that that section about the experience of the game you might actually want to change that around to, depending on your fans like people that are interested in war games are more sophisticated and they're they're ready for heavier lingo they want to know about your line of sight rules and things like that and why that's innovative and then other you know people interested in puzzle or party games are just like they do not want to hear the word line they don't want to learn about line of sight uh they don't want to learn about the fine details of rules and you know even how the turn sequence works like that's not something that you would want to talk about but yeah it, it is a really interesting thing and what you can do is if you create one landing page you can duplicate that same page and then give different calls to action or different you know facets of the game you know you focus really hard on the theme and the you know for one target market and then the other market or target market really cares about the crunchiness of the mechanics and that kind of thing.
2: Andrew you're currently you've currently done that with deliverance right because there's some you're advertising on some different you know advertising avenue channels and they're not mm. as good at tracking conversions so you've specifically made landing pages just for a particular advertising channel so you can better track the conversions right
1: right so facebook for example gives you this a lot of rich data with the facebook pixel i can discern how many you know at the moment deliverance is in the after kickstarter kind of pre-order phase where we're getting people to go to our pledge manager to buy a copy of the game you know. 11 months in advance or whatever it is. This section, so we're marketing on Facebook, but we're also using another paid ad source, which is basically like banner ads, something like Geek. It's a super secret thing that's been very effective for me that I'm gonna um, keep secret a little bit longer. Because, um, that's I want to, we have What we, to we don't keep exactly. secrets
0: on crowdfunding nerds. What are you talking about?
1: Well, you know, when we know that it works for sure, you know, yeah,
0: yeah. I would say it's more of a testing thing. So you don't want it to be like, Oh, that's it works. Right. And then everyone else tries and is like, you messed up. Yeah. It doesn't work. And now, you know, we're not gonna listen to you anymore.
1: Right. Right. And yeah, so it basically, it's a banner ads type system and they do not have tracking. So the only way that I can track is through what are called UTM codes and i need to i need to track how many people go to the landing page where they came from and that sort of thing so where it gets really impossible to tell who bought something on backerkit whether they were from facebook or from this other system when they when they both go there from the same landing page i you can't really it's not easy to tell them apart because there's a button that they're going to click on the landing page you know whatever i mean there are lots of buttons that are calls to action that say pre-order now or whatever it is And that button in the link that I include to my backer kit, it will also include what are called UTM codes. These are tracking codes. So by making a second landing page, I can make my first set of UTM codes, you know, tell my Google analytics that, hey, this one came from Facebook, you know, the source was Facebook. The medium was the landing page that, uh, you know, over here. And I can say, Hey, there were nine sales that came from Facebook, and that landing page. If I make a second landing page, I can say, Hey, this one was from the other site that will remain secret for now that I'm testing. And there were 12 purchases. And so that's extremely useful. I am getting a lot of great data. You know, in the end, I, I know how much I made off of my ad spend on both platforms which is really useful. You don't need to be a genius to duplicate a landing page and just set up some different links. UTM codes, I would highly recommend that you would go just Google it,
2: uh, the letter or letters U-T-M. So when we're talking about landing pages, what's really important is that we work out the buyer's intent. Currently, we have some clients and they their ads, Facebook ads, are just really struggling because they're live on Kickstarter and we're basically sending traffic from Facebook straight to their live Kickstarter. And you know some of these projects are even funded. The games look great. And all the metrics on the ads are phenomenal. Like They're optimized ads, but they're not converting. And one of the reasons is because of buyer's intent. A lot of people on Facebook, they are there to not necessarily buy products. They're there to basically have content curated to them. So their buyer's intent is much lower than it would be on a platform like Google or even Amazon, where people are actively searching to purchase things. So it makes the transition from showing an ad to a conversion, all the more challenging when your campaign is live on Kickstarter. What we have found to be far more effective during a live Kickstarter campaign is to leverage all of our pre-marketing ads and all of the social proof that's on them. And all we do is we just, instead of changing the ads on Facebook, which resets everything, all we do is update the call to action sections on the landing page to direct people to the live Kickstarter page. And we can include referral links in those as well, once the campaign's live, which means that from Facebook, instead of going from Facebook to a Kickstarter page. And then with like a you know a, a hard back now kind of call to action or men- mentality or feel, we are qualifying the lead in a very limited time span, you know, talking about one session, but it's still, it's less jarring than going straight to the live Kickstarter page. So from Facebook, they get intrigued, they click the ad, they then go to a landing page where they can read about the game that we've designed, that we've already optimized through all the pre-marketing. Then from there, hit a button, which then takes them to the Kickstarter page at that point they're far more qualified than if they had just gone from Facebook to Kickstarter. And we've seen greater results through that process than sending people directly to the Kickstarter page. We might even phase out or weed out to sending people to the live Kickstarter page because we've seen, you know, significant improvement and conversions through this method.
1: Yeah, it's been really interesting because, you know, the intent, as you mentioned, of somebody on Facebook is, I mean, they're browsing stories and they're spying on their friends and that kind of thing. And they're just, uh, they're not looking to buy. It's mm-hmm. is the real key. They're not looking to buy when they're on Facebook. So when a pre-marketing ad sends people to the landing page to get more information, they're happy to do that. They're, they'll read. And you know if it's interesting, that's kind of what they're on Facebook to do anyway, to find something interesting to read because maybe they went to their news sources and whatever. They're all caught up on their, the YouTube guys that they follow or whatever. And they are reading about this new thing. So, When a landing page, uh, when somebody uh, absorbs all of the information on a landing page, they're much more likely to buy because the landing page, you know, if it's it's done right, it makes your game look really, really interesting. And it kind of helps them understand what type of experience that they would have while playing it. And that's going to make the right people volunteer themselves to get more information. If the call to action is not like, hey, buy this right now, there's no... It's not you're not really kind of threatened by what it is that you see, you know, unless you were in a mode to buy like on Amazon.com. Nobody looks at Amazon just to like browse. You kind of know what you want. You know, it's like a man walking into a mall. He he like it's like uh he has blinders on the left and right walking straight forward to the store like GameStop, you know, it's like I don't need to go browse macy's i'm just like i already know what i want you know and you're in and out and then in the car as quick as you can unless you're with your wife uh yes right mother-in-law the bombshell discovery that we've made is that sending people when your kickstarter is live to your landing page which the landing page sends people to your kickstarter page how it increases the conversion rate of people from facebook because they get to learn about the game first and then by the time they go to your kickstarter page they already know what the experience is going to be like whereas when you go to a kickstarter page i know that you've got that story you know your, your story which is all of the information about the game and that kind of thing but you the purpose everybody knows the purpose of a kickstarter page is to sell the thing that you're looking at so the likelihood of somebody going there you know and saying i'm going to buy this or I'm not going to buy this you have like three scrolls and and, you know and they'll make that determination within that that small little section of your Kickstarter story whereas a landing page they'll actually read the whole thing and then they'll go to your Kickstarter page and they'll be much more likely to spend a longer time looking at the details save the project back the project, and, and that sort of thing.
2: We should probably mention that this is this is for prospecting. This is for reaching people if you've never had contact with your brand. Obviously, if we're retargeting and people have already been to the landing page, we're going to direct them straight to the Kickstarter page. There's no need for them to go back to the landing page they've already been at. So, And I think this is where we noticed that the, we were getting a lot of sales through retargeting, but virtually none through cold leads because that's their first contact with you. So this has proved to be far more effective And the other advantage allows our targeting on Facebook to be far more precise because we're not just targeting anyone who's likely to click. We're actually targeting people who will go to a landing page, digest some information and then take action on that landing page. So it means you get less traffic to your final Kickstarter page, but the traffic you get to that Kickstarter page is far more qualified and then you can optimize the ads for people who are more likely to take those actions, which is to go further down your funnel. So it's a way to to really enhance the overall Facebook marketing campaign and maximize your ad spend.
0: Just to clarify for the listeners, uh, when you say retargeting, are you talking about like people who see the ad retargeting or actually going to the page retargeting or signing up retargeting?
2: So all of the above. So we retarget people who've liked the Facebook page. We retarget people who visited the Kickstarter page, which would include obviously people who signed up. So it's just a way of kind of encompassing everyone who's had ex- uh, an experience with that that brand or product you know it's it's interesting because looking at the deliverance stats
1: you know when we ran our campaign we we uh after the campaign was over i got the final backer list and i looked at how many people that i earned on the email list in the in the three months you know leading up to the kickstarter launch our conversion rate was 20 over 21 percent of those people backed the game And, you know, at various levels, which kind of equaled out to like what I would say, quote unquote, the average pledge amount was. So they were highly qualified. One out of five people that I brought in with an ad ended up buying the game or I'm sorry, uh, brought in with an email, ended up buying the game. So uh, that was really great. But then during the live Kickstarter campaign, I was we were still using kind of our old model of, you know, bringing people from the you know the ad on Facebook right directly to the Kickstarter campaign and you know the campaign page and we were doing that with board game geek and all of our other ads and i just was very very underwhelmed with the performance of those ads i just felt like they really weren't working very well and i know that other clients of ours in the past have have expressed kind of the same frustration where You know, it was working so well leading up to launch and then you start a new campaign for, you know, to point people toward the live Kickstarter page instead of the landing page. And then, you know, all of the data that you gained, all the data that Facebook remembers from your previous campaign is left by the wayside because when you start a brand new campaign to, or, or you update your ads to send people to a different page, it kind of resets the data. And- yeah, and Facebook is not really able to, to track any metrics of meaning because, you know, you don't have your, uh, your Facebook pixel on Kickstarter. So it's, you know, Facebook might have, you know, said, oh, these many people subscribed, you know, that came in from Facebook ads on their landing page, but it can't tell what people are doing on the Kickstarter page. So all of the learning... If you start a new campaign, there's no learning that happens. Oftentimes uh, what we used to do is we used to do a uh, link click, you know, like however many people clicked on this ad, that's the metric of success that we would use because we didn't have a Facebook pixel to use on on Kickstarter. And we would get tons of clicks and, you know, the backers wouldn't show up because evidently the most gullible people that are willing to click are not the same people that are willing to back. So that was that's always been kind of a frustration, and we've largely resolved that with this landing page technique. And it's nice because, it, from a company perspective, it provides a little more value to our customers. Where they we already built the landing page, so tweaking it a little bit, it's not a big deal. And then, of course, the the value add, the ability to show that a that ads are working. I think that that is as valuable as the ads actually working because as a kickstarter creator when your campaign is live you've got money coming in and you don't really know where those people are coming from you hear like for me i in my deliverance campaign i heard people saying like you know yeah you know i've been bugging my uh church small group to to back the game and i've got like four people from my small group that that uh backed the game already and i'm working on the last guy or something you know and which i thought was hilarious but You know, so you've got backers that are coming in from places that are basically word of mouth driven. And then you've got other backers coming in from your ads and you're not sure which is which or if they're all word of mouth driven or if none of them are word of mouth driven. So I think that it's really, really valuable to have any kind of data that will tell you, hey, these people came from this place. And on that subject, when Kickstarter goes live, you have these Kickstarter tracking links that you can use. And it's kind of a shame that they don't give you the ability to create tracking links before the campaign goes live. But after the campaign's live, you can create links to, to figure out where people are coming from. And, you know, if you do like a board game revolution ad on, you know, or like a group banner, uh, you know, for that Facebook group with Tom Covert or you know, Facebook uh, ads or, you know, board game geek ads, you can create custom tracking links on, the kick, you know, on Kickstarter for your project, but it's, it doesn't help when you put a custom tracking link in your Facebook ad, if it's going to destroy all of the social proof and all of the data that was on that ad, it just kind of stinks. But when you have a landing page, you can just keep the Facebook ads rolling and you update the the landing page buttons to go to a different location, which would be, you know, your Kickstarter page with the special tracking link that you created on, you know, on your Kickstarter uh, project backend, that actually gives you data that shows up in the Kickstarter backend. And we've been having a lot of success with that.
2: I think another advantage is that there's no downtime because what we usually have to do is we have to create the live Kickstarter ads before the project goes live using a pre- preview which is the only referral code you have. Once that's, you know, live, uh, once, once that's been processed, we always do this a week before you go live. So it's, it's always, you know, it's ready for when you go live. And then as soon as you're live, the ads go live, but there's no social proof on them. So it takes time for people to see the ad and like and share and stuff and for the ads to really get out there and, and then be optimized. Whilst if we just get a pre-marketing ad that we know works, we've done you know two months of testing, we know this ad works, gets clicks. All we have to do is create a new campaign, exclude people, leads, or exclude people who visit the landing page. And now we're basically only targeting people who have no, no experience with the, land, the pre-marketing page. And then we duplicate the ad into that. We, it replicates all the social proof on, on the ad. So we'll have you know 100 likes and comments and shares on it. And then we just blast that out on the day of launch seamlessly. And it's just a, it's a really great way to sort of continue your, your marketing without interruption, and again, maximizing all your pre-marketing ad spend, there's a unique opportunity when marketing with us on your live Kickstarter campaign to do this because we can leverage all your pre-marketing data. There's some people that do pre-marketing with us and then they go to another agency to do the live Kickstarter marketing, which is fine, but they're really losing out on so so much because we have all all these data points on the on the pre-marketing page, we've done so much A-B testing, we know which ads of yours are working. I feel like a lot of other agencies, what they do, their strategy is really just to spend as much money and basically try to work out what we've worked out, spent two, two months working out. They try to work that out in the first couple of days. So they spend a lot of money and they might, might get a lot of conversions because they're reaching a lot of people because they're spending a lot of money. But I don't think that the return on ad spend is gonna be great. And what I've usually seen, because sometimes you know, we work with other agencies on, on accounts, what I usually see is that those ads get turned off pretty quickly because I think they start falling off. And I think the people that they're reaching, we would have reached at some point. That's sort of my opinion.
1: With some companies that, you know, are long established and will run ads for you, what they rely on, they number one, they have a really good system that kind of automates Kickstarter tracking links and, and ads. They send ads through their own Facebook ads account. Uh, not yours. So you actually don't own the campaign or anything. You don't own the right to the, you know, the data or, or anything like that. But, you know, they, they're kind of relying on their network that they've developed. So, you know, if you have hundreds of thousands of people that have used a pledge manager in the past, then that company knows all of those people's email addresses and can uh, you know? I mean, they send newsletter, e-blasts. Uh, they send, they create look-alike audiences on Facebook and and other things like that. And th- you know, for me and my my personal experience working with one of these vendors, I was able to see a pretty good return on investment on day one. So I had like five and a half dollars in per dollar that I spent with this company on the first day. So yeah, five and a half times that was what we earned on day one. And then it dropped to like $3 by day three. And then by day five, we were under almost under $2 in returns. So what that means is that all of that earning, all of the earnings on day one were at five and a half dollars. And then the average was down to $2 by day five. I mean, we were basically just bleeding money like crazy every day after that. If I were to launch next month, you know, my Kickstarter campaign or this month or whatever, I would absolutely be putting a lot more money into uh, Facebook ads directing people to a landing page because I can actually track data. It it's like I'm, you know, it's like uh, you're armed with a with a rifle and you have to shoot a target, but there are no lights on and you can't see the target, and you have. I mean, you have a limited supply of ammo or something, you know, I didn't really feel happy about spending tons of money. I just, that's why I didn't open up the floodgates on my own Facebook ads during my live Kickstarter campaign, because I felt like, you know, if, right, if I spend $300 a day, then, you know, at the end of 30 days, I could lose, you know, $9,000. Whereas maybe if I just didn't spend, you know, I I would have $9,000 more. Right. And so I think that that's, um, you know one of the things that this landing page technique largely solves and if my ads aren't working then i i know you know i have a lot more data as to why because you know we were able to track what's happening with facebook pixel on the landing page or we are able to track you know with other types of like we did ads on the uh, i believe i i mentioned this before but we did ads on the babylonb.com which has kind of my games target market a bunch of christians who are nerds we uh we got a decent return on investment there like four and a half dollars in per dollar spent i'm sure that we uh, got a decent enough return on our facebook ads but i can't really tell you what it was because the tracking wasn't wasn't there yet you know so basically i wish we discovered this like two months earlier
2: yeah <laughs> and you know an- another interesting thing is so- on our landing pages, we usually design them with three call-to-actions, one at the top, one in the middle, one at the bottom. And what we can do is we can have a unique referral code on each of those buttons. So we actually know where on the landing page the people are actually going to the Kickstarter page and then backing. And it's been interesting just to see on you know different projects that we're doing you know where people are going to to the page. And it's, it's the majority of it is at the top or at the bottom. So it shows you that the top and tail of your landing pages needs to be pretty pretty good because that's where people are converting it's where people are you know very seldomly it's in the middle it's usually the top mostly the bottom where people are going and actually backing so they're reading which it's good it's it's at the bottom you know they've read the entire page or they got to the bottom of the page they have gone through to the kickstarter page like what they saw on their back it it shows you that people have taken an information have taken more information Uh, you know possibly what if at the top, people have gone down, gone back to the top and then hit the button, you know, so that's, that's what could possibly be happening there as well. But it's interesting that the middle, it very seldomly gets actual conversion. It's usually the top or the bottom. Yeah, and that's pretty, I, I find that pretty telling. I think that the people
1: that scroll down to the bottom are your most hardcore people. And I think we talked a little bit about the strength of your calls to action can actually be much more direct as you get to the bottom of your landing page. Up at the top it's like check it out and up down at the bottom it's like buy or go pound sand fool, you yeah. know, like do, you us, can do have... it <laughs> yeah, yeah, do it now. So there there are action phrases that you can use on your landing page and your emails and other things like that. I found 15 of them that I thought were really useful. These are very useful at different times of your Landing pages, we'll say life cycle, you know, before, during, after Kickstarter. So th- these things that are very influential on a buyer's behavior, uh, perspe- we'll say a prospective buyer's behavior. So there are 15 of them. I'll just kind of rifle them off. First one is ends tomorrow. Second one is limited time only. The third one is one-time offer. The fourth one is expires soon. Those are all just very direct and they're trying to add scarcity is what they're trying to do. So, you know, you may miss out fear of missing out FOMO as, as some people call it, it's very powerful drug on the brain. The next one, number five is discover. So this is really starting to appeal to people's, you know, trying to get people to learn more there's get download or build, and then now. And join. So you've you know five five different words. The word now is really important. Buy now actually makes a difference. Get something. I think get is in email marketing. The word get used to be responsible for increasing open rates by like twenty percent over what they would normally be. I thought that was really cool. So download, build, you know, join are are pretty great. The last ones that I have are more fear of missing out type of stuff or or timeliness. The word today, while supplies last, only X days left, only available up to those types of phrases are extremely effective on landing pages.
0: A few months back, we had a few issues going on in the news where some OS updates and some browser updates were going to block the Facebook pixel. Have you guys been impacted by this or have you seen any changes or anything to that effect uh, when doing your ads?
2: Oh, yes. Yes. It really depends on the demographic. You know, we have one client who basically deals with hairstylists, and I guess all hairstylists use iPhones because we saw a dramatic impact on her ads. It really, it's really impacted lookalike audiences within Facebook. But there's ways around this because if 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 you have the benefit of or having lots of likes on your page on Facebook, you kind of have a demographic of people who follow your stuff, and you can create lookalike audiences based on how many people like your Facebook page. So that's why it's good not to get like friends and family to like your Facebook page because it can muddy the waters. You want fans liking your page, and it might be a good idea to direct people in your like Facebook group or something, or th- on your email to like your Facebook page simply because you have data points then that you can use in your advertising.
1: One thing that Facebook loves to do it loves to collect data and and sell that data to the government. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things that I think. Facebook does really well it, it kind of keeps that data as a black box to the marketer and the consumer. So that I can't get in, I can't see, you know, who I'm marketing to per se. I can target a, a group of people that are like this, that have those interests and so on, but I can't see who. If you know the type of people that are on your Facebook page, you know, the people that liked your Facebook page, Facebook will use those people and every data point about those people to try find others of similar interest. And that has proven pretty effective, you know, lookalike audiences, as Sean said, you know, sometimes they fall off if they were based upon your emails or other things like that. But when Facebook is able to find a ton of Facebook likes uh, or page likes, it, it they can work pretty darn well.
2: So what we're really talking about is, These landing pages is dismantling the buyer's objection because some people who are on Facebook and they're just scrolling, and if you hit them with a really you know in-your-face call to action to purchase something, they're gonna have a buyer's objection. It's gonna be not now because I'm not in buy mode. I'm in looking at memes and trying to find the latest trailer to the movie I'm looking at, or in basically in content curation mode and not in buy mode. So that's gonna be a massive objection. So by implementing this process, we are qualifying them and we're breaking down those objections. We struggled with Ryan's live Kickstarter ads. You know, all the metrics looked fine. We even implemented the system where we switched from directing people directly to the Kickstarter page to a landing page where they got to read learn a little bit more about fractured veil. But they still weren't converting, even though all the metrics were fine. And I had to work out well what's the buyer's objection? What's wrong? Why aren't people converting? So, you know, thankfully enough, they had a bunch of streamers and YouTube videos that they had done. So I just went through the comments, scrolling, scrolling, looking at what's the objections, found out that one of the massive objections was that a lot of video gamers, just out of principle, are not going to back a Kickstarter video game because they've been burnt in the past. I was like, okay, well, there's an objection. I had a meeting with Ryan, we turned off the ads, We just turned them off because they weren't generating backers, weren't generating a return. And we decided to focus on Using emails, and the emails were going to specifically target these objections. The first email he just sent out today really focused on the fact that Fracture Veil vale is a com- it's a finished game in the sense that this Kickstarter isn't about developing the game. It's already developed. It's just about adding extra content to it, putting a polish onto the game. That email he just sent out, and it's, you know, it's only been sent out today, we had referral links in it, has already gained 10 backers which is more than all the backers we had just sending people directly to the Kickstarters because we answered that buyer's objection and we've got other emails planned up and we've, we've actually lined them up for the last 48 hour push. So I'm really excited to see how this works out. It's going well at the moment. So, but it just shows you the importance of dismantling that buyer's objection, knowing your target audience, knowing what makes them tick and then, implementing a strategy that tackles that because it's it seems to be working so far and I'm really excited for them and really excited to see what happens in the last 48 hours of their campaign. You've got different tools at your disposal as a marketer. And I,
1: I feel like what you just described, I would describe as the scalpel of your marketing toolkit. You know, you've got like your, the machine gun, you know, that you just blast and, and spread left and right. And you're, you know, your marketing gets peppered out to the world. During the mid campaign, you're kind of looking for pockets of holdouts so you want this is a perfect example where there are certain people that are on principle saying i'm not backing a kickstarter video game because i've been burned in the past or i've heard terrible stories or whatever it is you know to identify an objection and then plan a way to overcome that objection in the minds of people that you you know that are on the fence i think that's an awesome that's exactly what you want to do. If you could do that you know, a couple of times a week with different objections, I mean, you could get 10, 20, 30 backers a day. I'm, I'm looking right now just at at today's numbers and you've got 16 backers for uh, Fractured Veil, which is the highest backer day that they've had, highest positive backer day since, um,
2: since they in the last two days. Yeah,
1: it really pays a lot to listen to your community. And I think that's probably the the what you know talking about fractured veil the thing that they've done better than 95 percent of our clients is just pay attention to their community and collaborate with their community and listen to what their community's concerns
2: were so yeah and i suppose being game that video game developers they've got some pretty robust technical skills because you go to their discord and it's just it's phenomenal they've got the system where people can submit Suggestions and it's just all automated. They've done a terrific job, and people are people are using it. It's it's just wonderful to go to their Discord, and you should you should definitely check out their Discord, just as a case study, uh, what they're doing, because it's really really well well set up, and you might even want to hire them to set up your Discord channel because (laughs) they've they've done such a great job. Yes, it works like a well-oiled machine, and people are really getting engaging with submitting tickets of hey here's a bug can you fix this this here's a suggestion and it's there yeah, they've done a great job with engaging the community
1: another project that we've been you know kind of employing this landing page functionality in their marketing is quests and cannons quests and cannons is a project from a first-time creator that had a lot of hopes and dreams kind of on this on this project of theirs currently i mean they're almost 250 percent funded right now and our marketing you know, this is one of the first campaigns that we actually switched over to using the landing page to to market. Sean, you want to talk a little bit about that?
2: This was the first project where we did them in parallel. So I did our old system of directing people directly to the landing page by breaking up cold leads and retargeting leads, but then I did the same with the landing page. Landing page completely outdid the the other ads, and the other ads were getting backers, but just not the same rate. So just gradually increased the budget of those ads and eventually just turned off the, the traffic ads. And it's proved to be very effective. Also aided just by having a game that really resonates with people, resonates with this target audience and demographic. But being able yeah. to to push those ads to those demographics that we know that work with the messaging that we know that works. With They also gave, gave me some... Some new assets, so it's it's great having just fresh assets, uh, which are extremely high quality. They got these really good videos of their game just before, like just for the Kickstarter. So when you're retargeting, you can show people something new and something fresh that's high quality. I think that's really going to an impact on, on people. So it's just all these all these combinations of things just has really helped the campaign.
1: Distilled is another project that we worked on. We we uh, went through their their pre marketing. We uh,
2: are working on their post-marketing and that kind of thing, right? Um, yeah, just come to a, come to an end of it. And this is really where we, we first sort of started to think about this because uh, likewise, we because you can't verify domain, uh, Backerkit's domain, but we can verify our domain for the landing page that we, we created. We basically did the same thing, this parallel targeting. Do we send people during the, during the page manager phase of your campaign? Do we send them directly to Backerkit? But do we send them to their the landing page, and then from the landing page to backer kit? And I I knew that the still landing page had a very good conversion rate, so I knew that I was going to do an excellent job of qualifying leads and bring them to the Kickstarter uh, the backer kit page. And it turns out it was. We just updated the links, and uh, like Chris and Cannons, we just turned off the the, tra- the direct traffic ads to backer kit, and we cl- included lead ads, essentially getting people to the distilled the landing page that we developed, and then hitting a button that takes them to back to those performed way better. And yeah, that's, that was basically the, the start of, oh, okay, there's something here that we then have developed to other, and it's, it's also proved to work with the live Kickstarter ads. So this is this pretty really exciting insight.
1: Now, there is a segment after your Kickstarter, which is when you buy your products, they're shipped from wherever you purchase them and you're selling them on your website. A landing page, rather, the landing, let's say if it was our company, the landing page that we built, I would argue is not the primary tool that you would want to use in order to sell your product. You know, you wouldn't want to send people to the landing page necessarily before sending them to the place where they can buy it. I don't think that it would hurt. In fact, you know, you can try, but I would say at the point where your product is ready in a warehouse to ship out, you know, right after somebody purchases, I would argue that you definitely are going to want to send them to the the product page. And that should be kind of the mini landing page. You know, you're going to get, if you require less clicks from people, you're going to make more sales. So, you know they should just have the ability right on that page to add the product to their cart and hit the checkout button i think that uh there's a lot of value in knowing when the landing page has kind of served its purpose now i'm not saying that the landing page is useless at that stage but you know i've i've seen a lot generally a lot more success being quite direct with product sales you know if i want to do ads you know and at that point you might even look at other platforms like Google or whatever to, to sell your stuff. Uh, of course, Amazon has their own ad system that, uh, that you can leverage
2: too. If you're gonna develop an e-com store, like at the very end of everything, try and replicate Amazon as much as you can. You know, have the little box and just make it look familiar. Don't, when it comes to design decisions, you want it to be very intuitive. If people have shopped on Amazon and they feel comfortable, they should feel comfortable shopping on your e store as well.
0: Well, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. For more resources, articles, and to listen to past podcasts, please visit us at crowdfundingnerds.com. Thank you all again for listening to this week's episode, and we'll see you next week. Stay nerdy.